Welcome to the Health and Wellness Show on your VOCM. Now, here's your host, Dr. Mike Wall. Welcome to Health and Wellness Show. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. And today we're going to talk about the importance of financial wellness for individuals, especially during these trying times, which hold a lot of financial uncertainty for folks. Today we're going to talk about getting to a place where financial stress is reduced and replaced by positive actions towards financial goals. And finance is a lot like health, and sometimes it's not taught in our schools. And in a perfect world, we'd be mindful of our money. But in the meantime, we've got to rely on some amazing experts like our two guests today. First person we've got here today is uh, Mr. Ian Penny. He leads Newfoundland and Labrador's largest group of personal debt counselors and insolvency and helps with restructuring. Uh, James and Noseworthy, he's a chartered accountant, a chartered insolvency and restructuring professional, and a licensed insolvency trustee with over 30 years in the field. Welcome to the show, Ian. Thanks, Mike. Glad to be here. And with you today, we have Emily King, who's the founder of richwoman.ca. She's a wealth and abundance coach, speaker, NLP practitioner, certified timeline therapist, and she also holds an MBA to boot. Uh, she's going to uh, be going to be a fellow speaker at TEDx uh, when that event happens this year uh, as well. Uh, welcome to the show, Emily. Thanks, Mike. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to have you guys here. I think this is such a relevant topic for people right now. Um, maybe you can start it off, off for us, uh, Emily. What is uh, financial wellness? Financial wellness, and I think it's kind of, because I know, Mike, you're really into the health stuff, too, and I think it kind of relates in the sense that, like, it's not as important necessarily the amount of money that is in the bank. It doesn't matter if you have a million dollars or what, but as long as, like, there's, um, you know, quote-unquote, like, relationship going on, so to speak, where at least, like, you know what's there, you know what's coming in, what's coming out, and how I relate to health is, like, you might be on paper overweight, but, you know, or unhealthy, but if you're just taking those steps forward to get yourself into this wellness place, like, that's what I love to see with financial wellness is just, like, getting out of the ignorance is bliss kind of mindset and just, like, what can I do to help myself today, be it one little tiny step a day. So that's, that's what I love to see around financial wellness. Okay. Ian, what's your perspective on this? Well, I guess I, I tend to deal with people who are in financial trouble for one reason or another. Some people are, you know, hardworking. Some people are sort of working poor with very, very low incomes, and others have great incomes and reliable, you know, full-time jobs, but just can't seem to manage their money appropriately. So, you know, I think for me, I'd have to say it depends. For someone who's got a very low income, a working poor kind of person, uh, who struggles just to keep a roof over their head and food in the cupboard, I, you know, I think that's that's real stress. If you can't pay your rent, you can't feed your kids, that's that's real stress. So for those people, just getting them stable to a point where they're on a budget that's sustainable for them, they know their rent's covered, they know they're going to have food in the cupboard, uh, you know, for some people, that's, that's as good as you're going to get maybe. Uh, for others who have good incomes but just can't manage their money or maybe have made very unfortunate decisions in the past around, you know, cars and relationships and houses and travel and things like that, uh, same type of uh, basic idea, you know, get them on a sustainable budget. But for people with income uh, beyond what's required just to cover the basics, the food, the shelter, getting them on a plan whereby they can uh, save for their future goals and go into a new house or a new car with greater knowledge, uh, ideally a down payment and, uh, you know, a, a sustainable payment plan and budget plan going forward. And I think for them, it's wellness. Both cases, it produces a lot of stress, but sort of different ends on the spectrum. Yeah, right. So it's, it's kind of like a Maslow's hierarchy of needs. The first thing we need to do is survive. 
right, and get through day to day. And then from there, we can start to get to the places where we're getting some of those additional benefits. Um, okay, so let's give some context to what we do. Um, uh, Emily, what, what do you do for people when you work with people uh, when it comes to a money mindset? Yeah, so typically with my business, I, I normally work with women entrepreneurs, um, and they could be anywhere from just starting their business, like pretty much day one with a with a passion and idea, or they might be years into their business and um, just be stuck. That's that's the big thing. Like if I were to like put it into one word, like they're stuck and they don't know how to build it and grow it. And um, it's kind of it, it's kind of half and half. Part of it is the mindset, it's just the beliefs, the things that they've told themselves and why they can't do something. Uh, so it's like that programming, if you will. Um, and then on the other side of the equation is the practical things in terms of like, okay, let's look at your packages, your service offerings, your price points, um, that kind of stuff, and see if it makes sense on paper. Because sometimes they're just so busy with the day-to-day that they lose track of these numbers things. And once we sit down and look at it and, and kind of – you know, go through it carefully, we, we can see where we can have a nice balance between the, the numbers and then the mindset component and the belief and the confidence to go out and do the things that we want to do. Right. Okay. And Ian, uh, you kind of covered it a little bit there too about what you do. You deal with uh, with a variety of different people as well, uh, some of which are struggling and some of which you're trying to create an education around. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we, we sort of, we almost triage people. So it could be, uh, you know, an individual, it could be a couple uh, with a family, it could be a small business owner, um, all, but basically we do the same thing. We meet with the person, uh, you know, we look at what, what assets they own, uh, who they owe money to, how much equity they have in their house, their cars, those types of things. And then we go through a detailed budget with them to see, you know, uh, if, if their budget is sustainable, are they in a car or a house they can't afford? Has there been a change in life that's caused this or have they been sort of chronic overspenders? Uh, and, and then from there, we help to come up with a plan. Now, in some cases, it could be refinancing your house or accessing a consolidation loan. But the vast majority that we see, uh, by the time they get to us, they're in, you know, what I'll call serious financial trouble. And typically, we'd be looking at a, a consumer proposal or a bankruptcy, which is which is done by my firm of licensed insolvency trustees, who are the only ones that do that in Canada. Right, right. Well, I, it's, it's it's funny that type of stress can motivate change. Emily, I think that you know one of the reasons you got into this field was because you had gone through a different stage of life and you had, had encountered some some challenges and you learned about money. Is that is that right? Yeah. Um, back in my mid twenties, coming out of my, my master's, I had tens of thousands of dollars of debt and I didn't like that feeling. <laughs> yeah. Someone who was normally really good with their money, but literally, you know, being in school and not having the opportunity to work to make money and having to go into debt didn't sit well with me. Um, and, and so, yeah, so I really started diving into personal development books, uh, money mindset books, um, and just obviously having a master's in business, I know some of the practical tools around it, but I just like went all in on getting that paid off and I got it paid off super quickly and then started to build up quite, um, quite a savings account. And then from there, I got motivated to share more of this with more and more people because I saw so many people, especially, you know, at my, in my age at that time in mid twenties and even early thirties, just like coming out of schools, trying to start the families, build that, you know, quote unquote life but not having the financial capabilities to do so. So I wanted to do my part in trying to help 
motivate people and inspire people and, and give them hope and, and knowing that things can be different and um, yeah, just try to help change their lives really. Well, maybe you guys can help me with this. So I think one of the one of the things would be an attitude towards money, would it not? Like somebody, you know, thinking for some reason it's better to go into debt to acquire something that they don't necessarily can't afford and not living within their means. I think that maybe during this specific period of time when, when times are going to be tighter for a lot of people given the current situation of COVID, um, what type of challenges do people have to sort of mitigate, Ian, like when it comes to managing their – how do they re- have to adapt to the new normal? Well, I, you know, I, I think the new normal is challenging for all of us, and who knows what that's going to be. But, I mean, it, it, you still look back to the basics, you know, and, and hindsight's twenty twenty. but in an ideal world, you would have been on a sustainable budget with a house that you can afford and a car that you can afford and uh, some sort of savings plan and an emergency fund to help you through, uh, through you know, it could be, it doesn't have to be a, a, a dramatic emergency like this one. I mean, it could be a birth of a child or or a, a sick partner or a job loss, whatever. I mean, you know, life life happens and, and sometimes there's bumps along the road. And, and the problem is most people don't have a plan to deal with those bumps. So there's no savings. Uh, there's no emergency fund. And many, many people, you know, every cent of their check is gone before they even get it. Uh, yes. People tend to look at, can I afford the monthly payment and get, you know, the best car you can get, the best house you get. Uh, and there's just there's no room for error at all. And, and I often tell people, you know, just just because the bank will approve you for a, a four hundred or five hundred or six hundred thousand dollar mortgage doesn't mean you should go buy that that house. You know, you got to look big picture. What's your plan uh, in the longer term? And, and are you always going to be able to afford that payment? Yeah. And how does Canada stack up or, or compared to the rest of the country when it comes to debt per person or rest of the world? I mean, sorry. Yeah, I don't. I I looked at some of that a couple of months ago, and and I haven't looked at it recently. But Canada recently passed the U.S. in terms of uh, individual consumer debt, which is scary for a couple of reasons, uh, because mortgage debt in the U.S. is uh, tax deductible, so they don't have as big an incentive an incentive as we do in Canada to pay off uh, their houses because every dollar they pay in mortgage interest, they get a tax break for it. We don't get that, and we still have more debt than them. So I think definitely the warning signs were there. The Canadians were overburdened, and you know what's happening now. Nobody could have predicted it, but unfortunately, it's gonna it's gonna create some serious problems for a lot of people. I think. Right. Okay. Well, that that's gonna take us through our first section. Let's jump to a little break, guys. I'm here with Ian Penny uh, from James and Noseworthy, and Emily King from RichWomen.ca. We'll be right back after this break. Now back to Dr. Mike Wall. This is the Health and Wellness Show. On your VOCM. Welcome back to the show. I'm here with Ian Penny, Life Insolvency Trustee for James Noseworthy and Emily King, Wealth and Abundance Coach. Today we are talking about financial wellness. At the beginning of the talk, we, we looked at the, what's the current set of circumstances, uh, but now let's talk about the opportunity people have. Um, I think that one of the challenges people face, uh, and Emily, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but what's their, what's their attitude towards money and how do they talk to themselves about money? Um, maybe you can elaborate that for people yeah so i think now is like the prime time not to as they say like should all over yourself like i should have done this or if i had only gone back and you know like you're saying Ian earlier like don't just because the bank you know says you can get a half a million dollar home don't get the half a million dollar home and that's going to put you right at that edge so there's a lot of shooting that can go on right now and that's like the last thing that's going to help us like because you know there's a saying it's like driving a car but looking in the rearview mirror 
right? Looking at all the past mistakes or whatever. And so I feel like this is a prime time, like it's breeding ground for shame to come in, money shame. Mm -hmm. And I love um, what Brene Brown says about shame is that it needs three key, key ingredients, judgment, secrecy, and silence. And I think the right. judgment is a big thing right now. And the secrecy, maybe not as much as if you're laid off, okay, people might know that you're a little more hard up, but, and the silence too. So I think now is prime time to, as, as difficult as this may be for someone, like just share it right now. Like don't put it on Facebook tomorrow. Okay. I, I'm in debt or, you know, but just find someone where it's a safe place, at least just start to express this a little bit, or even if it is, you know, a, a professional, like if you get a hold of Ian's company and just say, hey, this is really hard times for me now, just breaking that cycle of the shame, I think right now is really key to, to stopping the, the bleeding, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, I know that even uh, someone that I know close reached out and, and they weren't calling for a favor, but they just said, you know, we're really struggling right now with, with our rent. And, you know, next thing you know, within a week, um, a bunch of us had, had put together some money to help them pay for their rent. You know, so just kind of breaking that cycle of the silence and the secrecy and the judgment of, oh, my God, we shouldn't have done this or whatever, I think really helps. And it's, 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 it's simple. Maybe it's not easy to do, you know, for some people, but it's, it, is, it is the way forward. And, you know, having that compassion for yourself and that empathy and just understanding that a lot of people are in the same boat, I think will help us move forward into getting solutions versus just hiding behind this, this shame or whatever might be going on for people. Yeah. Well, Ian, you probably see people that are vulnerable too. They're coming in and they're at they're really they're wits end. Uh, what do you tell your clients about their their new attitude towards money? Well, Emily is right. There is a lot of shame. There is a lot of embarrassment, and for for a lot of people, just getting the nerve to admit that they need help and to ask for the help uh, is is a lot to muster. And some people struggle for months, even years like that but you know once once they get in to speak to us or, or to a, a like professional just just you know first of all just to let them know that you know there's a new day there are solutions um and you know i always say to people try not to look back just look forward you can't change what you've done in the past but what we can do is get you on a, a more healthier financial path going forward try and change some of the bad behaviors that uh, or mistakes that got you where you are and hopefully you don't do the same thing again yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of memes going around about this period of time when some people are doing self-improvement and other people are just catching up on their Netflix. I think that there's an opportunity here for people to evaluate areas of their life that might need a bit of help. So um, what are the opportunities for education around finances people can partake in right now? Uh, I guess, uh, Ian, if you want to take that one first and so with Emily. Well, I, you know, I think this really drives home to people how vulnerable they are financially, and it's an opportunity for them uh, and their spouse or even their family, if, if their kids are older, to revisit their budget, really think about what's important, what their goals are. Uh, but I think the most important message there is, you know, to change behaviors and to try and instill in your kids an understanding of, you know, what a budget is, how money works, how interest works, how debt works. Um, you know, I, I had these conversations with my kids since they were very small. I gave them a cash allowance. A lot of people don't handle cash anymore. But, you know, if you got 20 bucks in your hand uh, and you spend it, it's gone. If you just got mm -hmm. access to mom's debit card or visa, you don't really appreciate having money and not having it. All you know is you pass it plastic, you get what you want. 
Um, yeah. So, I mean, even basic things like that, uh, it's a great opportunity uh, to spend time as a family and, and talk about them. Mm-hmm. Emily, what are, you, what are you telling people to do right now? Good question. <laughs> well, typically, like, like I say, in my world, I'm working with, you know, mainly entrepreneurs. <laughs> like 98% of my audience are entrepreneurs. Um, so it's, it's all about pivoting right now, at least in my world. Um, and I know not everyone out here might be an entrepreneur, but even still, there are opportunities to pivot and shift the ways that you do business. Right. Or, um, I, I can even think of, you know, off the top of my head, at least like a half a dozen people I know who have skills, gifts, uh, what talents, whatever you want to call it, that maybe not be their day job, but, if, you know, if they put a little bit of time into it or what have you, they might be able to bring in, you know, be a hundred bucks a week or whatever. So I'm always about the opportunities that lie ahead of us. And so whether you get together with a girlfriend or a group of, you know, mastermind buddies and say, Hey, let's, let's brainstorm some ideas. So from a, a generating new income, uh, that's one opportunity. But I think to kind of Ian's point of, of like more than numbers and sense type thing, like this is a time to get real with your numbers right and real like we have all the time in the world now like we're all hanging out home (laughs) and so maybe if you got kids it might be a little more challenging but this is the time to pull out those bills i mean it might be tougher now than than normal to look at it but so many people i talk to when i ask them about their um their debts that they might have and payments and that kind of stuff and i say okay well what's your interest rate they're like i have no idea Mm-hmm. Or, uh, you know, what's what's your payment schedule for this? Oh, I don't know. I just pay, you know, whatever I'm told to pay a month. And so this is the time uh, to really, like, put on the big girl pants or whatever you want to call it and just, like, get get cozy and comfortable with your numbers. And And the banks, I know they might be swamped right now, but if you can, you know, book in a, a call appointment with your banker or whoever, just or someone like Ian or whoever it might be, a professional or a, someone who's good at numbers, just to start to take a closer look at that and see going forward when things do get back on track, what can we, what can we scale down on um, where, you know, ways that we can prove. And even if you call um, your bank to ask for lower interest rates, all sorts of opportunities lie ahead. But now is the time to just like pick one thing that you possibly know might help you going forward. Yeah. That makes sense. You know, I, I took up budgeting uh, a couple of years ago and I got really into it. And I got, I thought it was really fun. I found out how to save like a hundred dollars here, $50 here, and you cancel this. And it really made a difference. And then it became actually fun to save. And I look forward to seeing my, my statements and my detail breakdown. So I can see that. Okay. Let's go through a little scenario real quick here. Okay. So say I'm somebody who is probably a lot like a lot of people listening right now. And I, and uh, we'll start with you, Ian. And I walk into your office and I'm pretty upset. Like I've got a lot of debt. Um, I might have lost my job, but now I'm on a uh, form of income support uh, to try and get me through for the next little while. I really don't know what to do. Um, what what advice would you give somebody right off the hop um, of where to start? Well, uh, you know, the reality is most of the people I see, uh, by the time they come to see me, they're, they're, they know they're in trouble and, and they're in pretty severe financial difficulty. I mean, the, the big thing is to try and uh, realize you're heading down a bad path before you actually get to the destination and your wages are being right. guaranteed or you're missing payments or missing car payments or your wages, you know, uh, you got to have your wages to pay your bills because, you know, most people, like I said before, their check is gone before they get it. So I think it's just that honest assessment of of, of where you are. Um, and if you're married, you need to have that discussion with your spouse. A lot of the people we see, uh, one spouse has no idea 
the, the mm-hmm. level of debt they're in and the amount of trouble they're in, it, it comes as a shock to them. Um, so, you know, I think that's where you start and then you got to find someone to speak to. Uh, we actually developed a little online tool, uh, nodeadnl.ca, a couple of years ago, uh, just a simple financial quiz. And it points out, you know, if your wages are being attached, if you're getting collection calls every night at home, if you're only paying the minimum interest payment on your credit cards, these are all warning signs. And, you know, one or two of them, you might be able to survive it. But if, if all these things are happening to you, you're actually in pretty severe financial trouble in all likelihood. So I think yeah. that's when you need to reach out to a professional and, and get the help you need. And and I think the the, the benefit that I have is, is I'm objective. Um, you know, if you're into a car you can't afford, I'm going to tell you you need to get rid of it. If you're into a house you can't afford, I'm going to tell you that too. So I think just an objective person who looks at things um, from, you know, in dollars and cents and, and what you can afford and what you can't and what your budget can handle as opposed to the emotional, you know, well, I can't give up my house or I can't give up my car because I'm emotionally attached to it or, you know, my wife yeah. loves the house, she'll never leave it. That's I, I can get past all that and just look at the dollars and cents. And, well, maybe you do, maybe you are in a house you can't afford. Well, okay, if you're going to spend an extra $300 a month on your housing costs or $500 a month or more, well, guess what? That's got to come somewhere else from your budget. So maybe you got to give up your car or have one car instead of two cars or those types of changes, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's, that's that's important. When we come back, we're going to start talking about how people can start to be really progressive and get to that place of uh, of being in a positive state of cash uh, with their finances. I'm here with Ian Penny, licensed insolvency trustee from James and Noseworthy, and Emily King, a wealth and abundance coach. We'll be back right after this break. Now back to Dr. Mike Wall. This is the Health and Wellness Show on your VOCM. Welcome back to the show. I'm here with Ian Penny, licensed insolvency trustee for James and Noseworthy, and Emily King, wealth and abundance coach. Emily, we had a, a nice little conversation during the break. I might have used the wrong term when I was talking about my uh, finances earlier. Can you clarify? <laughs> yeah. So I find that you know, with my work and with it, with neuro linguistic programming, like that's one of my uh, coaching trainings that I've done. The language that we use, the linguistics, right, is so important, and so. Sometimes the words that we use can really create this invincible or an invisible barrier for ourselves. And so uh, when you said a budget, for, for mm. some people, when they hear the word budget, it's like you've just sent them to their room or something. They're like, go to your room, stay there, like, and don't leave until you have money. In it. Like, so it's very, like, depriving. And so, you know, people, people want to live a good, happy life. And so to tell them to go do something that's depriving, they're probably not going to, you know, be jumping for joy to go do it. So. Right. One of the words that I change is instead of calling it a budget, I call it an action plan. So that way it puts me in power, puts me in charge and has me feeling good. Like I'm doing something positive versus I'm being punished for what I've done. Right. I compare it to the word diet when it comes to nutrition. You know, it's almost yeah. the same way. You change your way. You have a new way of eating, a new way of, uh, of, of uh, controlling your finances. Okay. So uh, still with you, Emily, uh, how does somebody start with, uh, with a plan? With an action plan, yeah. So, yeah, uh, me now, I'm not a quote. You know, I'm not a financial advisor, so this is just what works for me. Is literally, I take um, like I open up my visa bill, I open up my um, checkings account or any accounts that have like active money coming in, coming out, and I literally I get an Excel sheet out. If someone's not, you know, an expert in Excel, well, you don't need to be. 
get out a good old sheet of paper and pen or whatever you have there and start writing out every single thing that, that is on this thing. So, um, your dog food that you buy, uh, your, your alarm system, whatever it is, I write it all out and I get an idea of where I sit with my money, you know, expense wise. And then I just look at what's coming in each month from my business and with my husband's paycheck and that kind of thing. And then I go from there. I work out in Ian's case, like, what's the difference? If, if I'm bringing in, say, 5000 a month and my expenses are 5000 a month, well, then we got a problem. Or if it's very, you know, on that borderline uh, hovering around there. So I look at, uh, okay, what are ways that I can either bring in more? Are there opportunities there? And in my case, running a business, that's that's kind of my first place I look. Um, but if someone's kind of locked into more of a nine-to-five type thing, well, then you're going to look at what are ways that we can reduce the cost. And so that might be cutting some subscriptions or memberships or, or what have you or renegotiating um, different contracts that you have with cable or cell phone or, or what have you. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, so Ian, you probably go through the same type of thing. You said you were very like uh, non-biased when it came to people and their expenses. And you say, you know, you need to get rid of this, this and this. Uh, same sort of thing. Do you walk through things with people to sort of educate them and let them see what the issues are? Yeah. And, and I think Emily's on to something, you know, the the action plan, because it takes it takes commitment and it takes buy-in. And, uh, you know, you're right. If you if you view it as punishment, well, you're not going to want to do it. But, you know, people have value things differently. So one of the first uh, the first things we try and get out of people is, well, what, what are your goals? What is, you know, short term, medium term, long term? And, you know, for some people uh, sort of with lower incomes, um, it, they might be happy just to be able to pay the bills every month, have a roof over their head and food in the cupboard. And, and you know, they don't want to own a house. Maybe they want a car, maybe they don't. Uh, but for some people, it's just stability. And for other people, uh, you know, particularly younger people uh, starting a family, it might be, well, we want a house. Well, you know, house requires a down payment. And once you get in your house, you got to furnish it. Uh, so what, you know, then get them thinking about, well, what kind of a down payment and what, what's your time frame? Well, if you need $20,000 and you want to have a house in two years, well, the mouse math's not very hard. You need to mm-hmm. save up something approaching $1,000 a month. So right. for most people, that's not possible. So then you sort of bring them back to reality and say, well, you know, maybe it's going to be five years. And because you can save up 400 a month, but you can't save a thousand a month. So it's that type of discussion. Other people may not want a house. Maybe they want to travel. Maybe they want to have a car. Maybe they want a big car. You know, some people yeah. might even want a, a summer house. So it really depends on, on the individual, um, what type of income they have to work with, but more importantly, what their own individual goals and values are. Yeah, and I'd love to add to that, Ian, because I love how you talk about the values. And I think um, to add to that, it's like, you know, giving them that shift and that kind of positive perspective of, 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 okay, like say someone's sitting down, you know, in front of me and they're like, well, I love going out to eat and that's not something that I want to I give up. But you look and it's like, you know, $800 a month that they're spending and it's just two of them or something, you know, well, we can probably cut that back to 400 a month. And so one way to kind of reframe it is not like this is not a – this is not a sacrifice and like you don't get to go out anymore, but switch it. So it's a choice for empowerment. So if they can see the numbers of like, okay, I used to spend $800 a month on eating out. I'm going to cut it back to 400 and that extra 400 I'm saving. This is empowering me. And this is my conscious choice so that I can get the down payment on the house or get that car that I want, or get that uh, trip that I want to Florida or whatever it is that they want. So it is not seen like a oh, I can't get this and now I got to save this stupid money because Ian told me I had to or whatever. <laughs> it's like yeah. no I'm I'm making this choice I'm choosing not to go out tonight but 
because of that, I get to put that $50 or $100 into my bank account and put it towards my, my travel uh, savings or whatever it is. So it really comes from that empowering place versus um, you can't have this or you can't do that kind of feeling. I think that's a I think that's a common trend in all aspects of wellness is that there's so much much these days you know with everything so people can overdo with food they can overdo with you know being inactive or they can accumulate too much stuff and and sometimes it ends up having adverse effects on us because it's pleasurable and pleasure is good and we want more of that but at the same time sometimes it can lead to bigger issues so actually you know if we're talking about the wellness side of things maybe you guys can share a little bit more about like how does like the financial stress people are dealing with because it's real stress uh, how does that affect our health Ian do you want to jump in on that one well a lot of people we see um, you know I don't know if the, the financial troubles are, are, are the symptom or, or the problem but you know um, lots of things go with financial trouble it could be addiction issues it could be marital troubles it could be a sick kid it could be job loss so it all sort of there's, there's often more than one issue going on that that caused the financial trouble. So one of the other things we try and do is really understand uh, the person. What, what is it that caused them to get there? Is it just they've been a you know a chronic on, a, overspender for years and been on an unsustainable budget for years? Or was there some life event uh, that, that has caused this that, you know, once it's addressed, they should be able to go forward in a more healthy way? Uh, but like I said before, I mean, for, for, for people that can't pay their rent, can't buy groceries, I mean, that's real, real stress, no question about it. And and just to relieve them of that is, is very powerful. But someone going through a, a, a separation or divorce or someone with a sick child, I mean, that's also pretty stressful. Uh, and it, it impacts income. It impacts all aspects of your life. So, you know, helping, we can we can work through the financial piece with them, but often there's something more required whether it's counseling or, or whatever, to help them deal with the other issues that are, are part of the larger problem that, that contributes to their overall health and wellness. Okay. Emily, what about you? I know that you've got a very uh, well-rounded approach towards helping people when it comes to that. Yeah, um, so you're looking for how we, or my general take on financial wellness? Yeah, basically like... Um, how does how does the financial how can it how can it be negative to our health but also positive to our health when we start to be able to control our finances? Mm, yeah, so I've seen a wide spectrum of of cases, and um, you know, I I think of a, a past client of mine who I worked with last year, and when she came to me, it was it was like the robbing Peter to pay Paul kind of situation, like you know, and, and she was kind of in with what Ian sees like very like minimum wage, like she was working 50 hours a week, like she was at her max capacity. Um, so where I start, you know, with that and just where the well, so to back up in her case, it was very stressful. Right. And it kept her up at night wondering how she's going to pay her rent, that kind of stuff. So um, how I kind of transition it is to start, like, they're not going to jump from A to Z, you know, overnight in, in feeling, you know, financial despair to the next morning waking up and be like, all is well, I can pay my bills, you know, it's all good. But just that shift of just that knowing inside of like, I'm going to make some small decision today to better my better my financial, my financial education or wellness or what, whatever it may be. Um, and so in this case, she reached out to me, we started working together. And we, like I said, 
many times before, I'm about like finding the opportunities. So she asked for a raise at work. And then she had another a side business she was doing. And we, we ramped up that side business for more classes that she was offering and, and raising her rates and that kind of stuff. So more, more of the uh, financial abundance started to flow in to make it easier. And then one thing led to another. And before she knew it, she was gone full-time in her business. So it was really about four or five month period where she went from like the A to Z type thing. But where it started was just getting back to the thing I was mentioning earlier about like just stopping that secrecy and the silence and the judgment. Right. And so you go from that mental angst and that stress and that worry to, okay, I'm going to take one small step today. I'm just going to reach out to a professional or I'm going to pick up a book. Or I mean, nowadays with internet and YouTube, there's infinite number of resources that you can access, uh, even just reading an article. So just making that one little step forward can be really positive. Um, and knowing that you're not alone, that's a big thing that I find is one of the things that I love about doing group programs in particular is when the people in the program are like, wow, I thought I was the only one like this. So mm -hmm. I think just saying this to the audience listening here today, like you're not alone even though you think you might be in the worst situation or whatever you might think is different about you. Like there is somebody else there just like you hiding as well. So just knowing that you're not alone and just, just, yeah, coming out from, coming out from that wall that you've placed in front of yourself and just, uh, just sharing with whoever you can. Yeah. Go ahead, Ian. So, uh, yeah, Mike, sometimes, I mean, we see the, the effects immediately, the relief that people feel after they get the, the advice and they see a way out of their troubles. I mean, typically we'd meet with somebody one day, explain how everything works to them around an insolvency and bring them back the next day or the day after that to sign them up. And, and lots of people I meet with at that second meeting actually say, you know what, we, we actually slept last night. We had a good night's sleep for the first time in a long time or... You know, we're, we 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 didn't fight last night. We uh, we actually had a nice night together. Um, so there's that sort of immediate uh, sense of relief that's 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 positive. But I also run into people and get Christmas cards and things from people I helped years ago that will tell me, you know, one, one guy wrote me a Christmas card this year. I think I helped him two or three years ago, and he actually just qualified for his first mortgage. So he was nice. very proud of that, and that was one of the goals he set a number of years ago. And he's actually now achieved that. So obviously that would be very satisfying for him to to meet that goal and now to have a, a, a you know his own house for his family kind of thing and and to have met that goal that he set a number of years ago. So it's, it it can be very positive on the outside or on the the backside of the process and and obviously that helps with people's uh, overall health and wellness. Now back to Dr. Mike Wall. This is the Health and Wellness Show on your VOCM. Welcome back. We're here with Emily King, Wealth and Abundance Coach, and Ian Penny, Licensed Insolvency Trustee for James and Noseworthy. We've been chatting about financial wellness, and it sounds like financial wellness is a pretty important aspect of our lives. It affects us in a lot of different ways. So I'll throw this one at you, uh, Ian. Why don't we learn about it in school? Mike, I don't know. Uh, a lot of us in this uh, this sector have been advocating for for you know not only better financial education in school, really any financial education in school, uh, because it just doesn't exist, and it, it's so important uh, to people's you know how, how they live and, and and how successful they are in life and 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 so on, and, and it's just not touched on. 
And I think the the other sad part is most families or many families don't do it either. So there's just a huge gap. And, and I guess if as a parent, if you don't have good financial skills, well, guess what? Your kids probably aren't going to either. So and breaking that cycle can be can be difficult. But, you know, it just starts with with an honest discussion about it. And, you know, there's there's lots of. Uh, Lots of online budgeting tools and, and articles to read and things, but I think it's it's like anything. You, to get something out of it, you got to put the effort into it. The schools aren't doing it, so I think you know, as a parent, it's your job to to step up and do it, and for your kids. And if you know, if you're a single person or or a couple or whatever, I think you owe it to yourself and your partner to uh, to get yourself on a more po- positive financial track as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, take a lot of stress down. Well, there's a couple ways we can do this. Uh, Emily, uh, why don't you walk through people some some simple things that almost anybody listening could apply tomorrow to try and get some more money in? Yeah, so I love me a good negotiation, <laughs> and I love I love saving a buck. Uh, so, a couple years ago, I think it was uh, for fun because I'm weird like this. I was like, how much money can I save on different services? You know, looking at this action plan and that kind of stuff. And so I called up my internet provider, my uh, cell phone, my, what did I call it? My alarm system. Um, I called up basically anything that had a monthly occurring thing. And I just talked to the customer service and I spoke to them nicely and said, you know, I'm looking at this and I'm looking for ways to save. Is there some sort of customer loyalty thing you can offer or even 10% or something like that? And every single one came back with a yes. Mm. And And sometimes, this is not always the case, but it's it's worth a call. Because here's the thing, is that calling is free, you know. I mean, it might cost you just for your cell phone plan itself. But essentially, calling is free. The 10, 15, 20 minutes it might take for you to call uh, is free. So you might as well try. Because at the end of the day, it could save you hundreds of dollars, you know, in a year, which which is nice to have in your back pocket instead of theirs. Um, The other thing that you can do is uh, sometimes, and Ian, you probably know this more than me, is sometimes even call your uh, credit card and ask mm-hmm. them if they can lower it by a few interest points uh, or if they can swap you to a different one. I was just sharing today on Instagram that um, uh, I had a client a few years ago after you know getting more cozy with her, with her finances, she realized that there was this credit card insurance that she had been paying each month on her credit card bill without even noticing it. And she had been off work ill and uh, she called a credit card company, and this insurance, um, I think in this case, it paid her outstanding balance in full. You know, read mm-hmm. the fine print, but some people out there might even have insurance that they can lean on, especially now when you're laid off or, you know, unemployed or off sick or whatever. Have a, have a look at the fine print uh, at different things that you might have. Um, and even, I mean, send in your insurance receipts. If you got old massage receipts sitting around, like this is the time to really find the money that's sitting in your house that you might have been just like too lazy to do before. <laughs> right. Yeah. Free money. Ian, anything yeah. else you'd add to that? No, I think I think you're on to something there, Emily. And uh, But it takes effort, you know, and you do have to call up and you do have to ask. Um but you could, the savings can be huge. One of my kids uh, recently wanted a new uh, a new cell phone, and of course, that you get the text comes, and for ten extra bucks a month, you get the latest the latest phone. And and I so they had they of course wanted to do it. The phone they had was fine, um, but but aging. So we actually took the opportunity to have a discussion about how how those bills work. So I said, okay, well, it's, it goes up by ten bucks. Doesn't seem like a lot. 
but guess what? You know, you're 18 years old. That 10 bucks is never going to go down. You're going to pay that the rest of your life. And the next time you get another phone, it's going to go up by another 10 bucks. And, you know, before you know it, you're going to have a sell bill that's, that's hundreds of dollars. So why don't we look at buying the phone? Mm-hmm. And what that means. So when I, I took, took my kid to the to the store and, and told the guy I wanted to buy a phone, and he looked at me like I was crazy. And uh, he said, yeah. no, nobody buys phones. I said, no, well, explain to me how it works. So it turns out if you buy the phone, in this case anyway, not only did you not get the $10 increase, you got a $10 decrease. So $10 came off the bill. The phone was six or seven hundred bucks. I forget. So I made a deal with my kid, as I do with a lot of major purchases. They pay half, I pay half. So they paid three hundred bucks. I paid the rest, and the cell phone bill went down by ten bucks a month. So I mean, the problem with that is, of course, you've got to have the money to buy the phone. But it just goes to show that you need to uh, investigate, understand how these bills work, because they'll keep adding ten bucks to your bill for for the rest of your life, and and it'll never go away. It never goes down again. It just keeps going up unless you you intervene, like I did. So, you know, and, and all those things add up over time. Could be could be internet, could be cable, you know, could be the other big one is, is cars, people getting a new car before their old car is paid off and mm-hmm. they trade in the old car and they owe on it more on it than it's worth. Well, guess what happens? The extra four or five grand gets tacked on the new loan. So yeah. then when that one then you're into a cycle of, of the loan getting bigger and bigger and bigger and you're never ever owning your car. And the payment keeps yeah. getting bigger too. <laughs> Yeah, and sometimes that's not worth that new car, is it? It's going to cost more. You don't get a deal when you're overpaying for it. Um, right. That, that's, that's the thing. I think that a lot of people just need to think about things creatively. And let's just switch gears a little bit here and talk about how industries may be changed financially coming out of this. For example, I called up the other day to get takeout from three restaurants that never did takeout before, like nice, nice restaurants that uh, typically only be sit down in the past, and they were all sold out. And I know that obviously they're going through tough financial times, but how can people take a new view on uh, being creative around their finances during this uh, this period of time? Uh, who wants to go? Uh, you want to jump on that one real quick? Sure. Well, I mean, I, I run a small business too, right? I mean, I'm, I'm in the service industry and I'm licensed and regulated by the federal government, but there's there's no assistance for me right now. I got to figure out how to keep my employees working and, and keep money coming in the door. And, and we've gone from a model where we all worked in the office all day to very quickly having to figure out how to work from home. So, you know, all my people are working from home. We're still open for business. We're doing things by email, video conference, uh, phone calls, whereas a lot of it would have been face-to-face before, but we're still functioning. You can, We can still manage, to, you know, to get you signed up if you need an, an urgent bankruptcy or something. We, we can do that all remotely now. And, you know, two months ago, that would have been unthinkable, but we, we had no choice but to adapt. Now, I guess the big question is, what happens when things go back to normal? Do we do we continue to work from home? Do we continue to use all these tools that we're learning now, or do we go back to the old way of doing business with you know face to face meetings and, and and things like that? And and I don't know, but I think it's a time to be creative, try and adapt. Uh, this this is going to be our reality for the for the medium term. This is not going to be over next week. It's probably not going to be over next month. So if you're a small business owner, uh, you need to adapt and you need to adapt quickly. Mm-hmm. Emily. Yeah, I mean, I love as hard as it's been, and not to sound insensitive, I know some some companies like where it's just like you know hands-on service. They maybe right now can't offer something, but I've seen a lot of creative solutions come, which I think not only helps you know the, their business grow, but also helps their clients access it much much more easily. And 
the interesting thing is, you know, I think of, for example, the Pilates studio that I go to here in town. Uh, they've now switched to doing Zoom calls for their for their uh, classes. And I think, okay, they've gone from now a market that's in, you know, St. John's, Mount Pearl, that kind of area, to a global market now. They have like right. seven billion people they can reach now with this with their classes. And so I think I think it's a brilliant time for business owners to get creative find new ways to be more efficient with their business, uh, find new audiences. Um, yeah, it takes a bit of shifting of gears, but I've seen, I've seen a lot of, of, of business owners kind of get some projects in place that were on the back burner for months, if not years that they now just like within a day, you know, had it going. So I love seeing, I love seeing the creativity that's come and all the new things. And, it, and me as a customer, it's, it's been wonderful to receive it. Perfect. All right, we're almost done our interview here, guys. Uh, Ian, 30-second uh, uh, closing remarks, and how can people reach you if they need to get a hold of you? Uh, well, right now, uh, our website and, and our online financial health quiz is probably a good place to start. Uh, we do answer the phones during business hours, so you can still get us the old-fashioned way. Uh, but I think it's it's a good time to, to really look at your finances and make a decision. Obviously, there's a lot of uh, federal relief money coming now. People should be availing of that. They should be speaking with their banks around deferral of mortgage payments, car payments, those types of things. But, you know, deferral is the key word there. They're not going to magically go away. At some point, you're going to have to deal with these debts and interest is continuing to accrue and so on. So just be honest about where you are. And if you need help, reach out for it. Perfect. Thank you. And Emily? Yeah, probably the best place. Yeah, the best place to find me is uh, head to my website, therichwoman.ca. Um, one thing I forgot to touch on was there's actually a, a meditation on there. It's called the Abundance Meditation. This was created years ago, and I think it's really fitting for now because one of the you know mindset components, I, I, I meditate every day, and I find it just kind of calms my nervous system, gives me that clear head so that I can move forward in, in the best possible way for that day. So people can download that. I know I've gotten a lot of feedback lately saying it's, it's been really helping, so they can download that for free. Um, and I'm on Instagram as well at Emily King Co. Co. So they can check me out there too. Well, thank you for that, Emily, and thanks for being here. And thank you for being here too, Ian. Glad to have you in the show. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Emily. Well, that's been today's show, guys. I've been here with Ian Penny, licensed insolvency trustee at James and Noseworthy, and Emily King, wealth and abundance coach. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall, and we'll see you back here again next week.